So, as you can tell, Pastor Don and Lori uh, on a much-deserved kind of vacation. They are at a pastor's conference uh, this week. Uh, and I don't know if you realize it, but we, have a, we as a body have benefited uh, from nearly 20 years of them serving the church. And I think that that's amazing. Um, so we're going to take a break this week from uh, 1 Samuel. Don will likely pick up back there uh, next week. And when Don asked me to give the message a few weeks ago, you know, he asked me to speak on the specific topic of tithing. Um, so I started researching, uh, you know, praying about it, because I know it's something that's very personal, you know, to each one of us. Uh, so it's always good when you're asked to speak God's word to be encouraged. Uh, so I was encouraged when one of my loving children uh, said to my wife, Stephanie, hey, is, is dad going to give the message this week? And she said, yeah, isn't that exciting? And the child said, well, why didn't he ask Patrick to do the message? So, Patrick, you can be encouraged that, you know, you're doing a great job with the, the youth and uh, youth service. So... Uh, until recently, when sports has kind of become politicized, uh, you know, I've been an avid football watcher. I love Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, when a sports team is expected to be good and then they start going on a losing streak, you know, you may hear the coach stand before the reporters and say, well, you know, we need to get back to the basics. You know, we need to get back to doing those simple things, those fundamentals that define who we are as a team and help make us win. Now, as we read in uh, Malachi 3.6 this morning, you know, God is constant and unchanging. You know, and in that passage, God had to remind his people that they'd gone away from his ordinances. They'd gone away from the fundamentals that he had asked of them to provide for the priests in the sacrificial system. Now, the tithe requirement for the Israelites was to give 10% of the crops that they grew and the livestock that they raised to the tabernacle and the temple. And if you want to read up more on that, uh, you can look in Leviticus 27, Numbers 18, uh, Deuteronomy 14, and Second Chronicles 31 describes what was required. Now, an interesting fact uh, is the Old Testament law actually required multiple tithes. You had one for the Levites, uh, one for the use of the temple and the feasts, uh, one for the poor of the land. And when you totaled all those tithes up, it actually came to around 23.3% of what the Israelites were supposed to give. Uh, the Old Testament tithe was a method of taxation that was used to provide for the needs of the priests and the Levites. Now, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus does not directly address tithing. He speaks briefly on the subject, but only to describe the hypocrisy of the tithing of the spices by the Pharisees. Now, our Lord is not documented to have given his followers a specific percentage that they needed to tithe. Um, and if you uh, want to look at the parable of the two mites, you know, clearly God shows that he looks at the heart of the giver. And if you want to go to the extreme, you can look in Luke, uh, where, or you can look to uh, Acts, where Luke records that the early church had to give everything that they had to the church body. So, if we're not under the law anymore, and we're living under grace, then what's the expectation of the church body as it relates to giving? Let me ask, has God changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament? And I think the answer would be no, that God himself has not changed. 
Now, Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, when speaking related to tithes and offerings, uh, stated, God has chosen to bestow upon us his blessings on the basis not of our obedience or faithfulness to the law, but upon the basis of his grace towards us, so that all of God's blessings are bestowed upon our lives, not because we merit them, and I know I certainly don't merit any of his blessings, not because we deserve them, but because God just loves us. It's that simple. God loves us, and he blesses us. Now, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave his disciples some direction uh, to be living witnesses of him, to go and make disciples of others. Now, to follow Jesus' direction as a church body, it requires resources, willing hearts and resources. Um, This is what we as a church team, a church body, are to provide God. And these resources are to be utilized to keep his church on the mission that Jesus directed us to be on until his return. Now, I often try to understand and I struggle uh, to understand God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. And in my simple mind, you know, I've been blessed to be a father. uh, And so now that I have teenagers, I see a difference in the way that I treat my children now than I did when they were born and we first interacted. And when my children were very young, uh, you know, we had that start of the parent-child relationship, you know, I I had to hold their hand and I had to set boundaries. And I think that's similar to what you know, God did when he started his interaction, you know, with the the Israelites. Um, Now, I guided them along, and I had to tell them to do good things, uh, like give to others, you know. But I think because we all know uh, when you see children and they grow, you know, people have by nature a selfish nature. But now that they're getting older, I must instead give them a little space, some grace, to allow them to look at what I've taught them so that they can choose to do good instead of constantly being told to do good. And my love for them as their father has not changed. It's remained constant throughout their entire life. It's my opinion that God, under grace, has leveraged faithful men to document his interaction with mankind and the early church so that we... Uh, in today's day and age, have the resources that we need to exercise faith, and giving is an exercise of faith and obedience. Now, there's a divine law uh, involved in giving, and I'd be derelict this morning if I didn't point out to you a divine spiritual law that God enacted in the universe. And the law is expressed by Jesus in the New Testament, and Jesus speaks these words. He said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, Shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And you can find that in Luke 6, verse 38. Now, that's the spiritual law of God. The more you give, the more you will receive. Now, whether that's physical or spiritual, uh, I think is between you and God. Now, Paul the Apostle expressed it by saying, He who gives sparingly will receive sparingly. And but he who gives bountifully will receive bountifully, and that's 2 Corinthians 9.6. So what I'd like to do this morning, one, I have two scriptures that we're going to walk through and only a few passages in each of those. So if you guys can turn to Matthew, we're going to be in Matthew for both of those scriptures. And the first one we're going to read this morning is Matthew 19, uh, verses 16 through 22. And 
Uh, we're going to look at uh, Jesus' interaction with a rich young ruler who had possessions between himself and God. So Matthew 19, uh, verses 16 through 22. Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Well, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now this man, he was a seeker of God, which is, which is very good. And if you earnestly seek out God, he's faithful to answer. There are times, however, we may not get the answer that we want to hear. Um, and we must realize that that is pride. Uh, it's the wall between us and God that needs to be torn down. Now, this rich young ruler, he wanted to understand what he had to do in order to inherit eternal life. And since they were still under the law, Jesus told the man, keep the commandments. Now, the man inquires which commandments he had to keep. And it's funny to me that he asked which ones because sometimes we as imperfect beings, like to try to find those shortcuts to get what we want from God. Well, if I follow half the commandments, Jesus, is that good enough? Or if I follow certain commandments, perhaps I can just look to my brother and compare myself and think that I'm good enough instead of actually looking to God and following him completely. Now, uh, since we're not under the law, I'd like to ask, you know, have you prayed to God and actually asked him what's required of you. Um, you know, we can look at each other and perhaps say, you know, I'm giving more than my brother, so I must be doing pretty good in the sight of God. But what is it that he's actually told you to give? And Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And we in the body should never compare ourselves to what our brother and sister are doing. Now, when Jesus answers this man, getting back to the story, he lists what we would call the man-to-man -man commandments, which Jesus knew that this young ruler had no problem keeping. He never murdered. He wasn't an adulterer. He had, he had no need to steal because he was wealthy. He didn't bear false witness against his neighbor. He loved his neighbor as he loved himself. He honored his parents. He didn't struggle with those man-to-man -man commandments. So in verse 20, you know, the young man told Jesus, and this is summarizing as my daughter would tell me, Hey, I've got you, bro. I've always done this, you know. Anything else I got to do? And so while faith is the only way to please God, obedience to all of God's commandments is how we demonstrate our reverence of him. And Jesus responds telling the young seeker to sell everything that he had and to follow him. Give up all your physical wealth and follow me. And a side note here, 
uh, as I was studying, which fascinated me, he asked this young ruler to do exactly what he asked the young church to do in Acts. Those, uh, that young church was asked to give everything that they had in order to get things started. And we have some good examples there um, of people who were obedient in doing that. Now, this man's possessions, I believe, were his pride. And pride and fear, in my personal experience, are the two major factors uh, that come between us and God in obedience to our giving. Now, I try to put some things in context because, you know, I think all of us uh, in working, you know, uh, I think take, take some sense of pride in what it is that we bring in. So I thought of some of these commandments that the man didn't keep. So uh, I'll ask this question. Did the young man perhaps work weekends to obtain all that wealth? If he did, by the law, the commandments, the fourth commandment tells you to keep the Sabbath day holy. So this man would have failed to keep the fourth commandment and therefore would have been disobedient at that time to the entire law. Um, it's also evident that the young man made possessions his idol, and the second commandment said to have no idols. So this man would have failed to have kept the second commandment, therefore would have been disobedient to the entire law. Ultimately, it would appear that uh, the man put God, capital G, a close second, made his finances his God, lowercase g. Uh, we need to remember that Jesus said that there is no greater commandment than to love the Lord God with all your heart. Um, as we discussed earlier, after the death of Jesus Christ, when Jesus fulfilled the law, the New Testament nowhere commands or recommends that Chris Christians submit to a legalistic tithe system. The New Testament uh, nowhere designates a percentage of income that should be set aside, but only says that gifts should be in keeping with income, and that's from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Now, some in the Christian church have taken the 10% figure from the Old Testament tithe and have applied it as a recommended minimum for Christian giving, and I will state that that's Pastor Don's stance as well. He often says 10% is his recommended minimum for giving. And since I stand before you today to talk about tithing, I think it's only fair to speak of the sanctification process that God's taken me through is related to giving. And when we first came to salvation, uh, I was a lower-ranked enlisted man in the Navy, you know, living in one of the most expensive states in the country. And surprise, I'm talking about California. Uh, and I was trying to figure out how to be a good follower, and I was told what I should give. Similar to what Pastor Don said, I was told, hey, give 10%. And... Um, so that kind of cut to my heart, and quite honestly, it made me mad because I would look at the pastor and I would judge him, and I'd say, well, it looks like he's doing pretty well for himself, so what does he need my money for? I'm not making very much. And every month when I wrote that check, all I could think about was what else I could be doing with that money. I could, I could be buying more diapers for the kids. I could be putting more money into savings. That's extra groceries or time to go out with my family. My faith and my heart my obedience were not where it needed to be uh, in order to be a joyful giver. Nor did I fully understand that when I wrote that check, I didn't write it to the pastor. I wrote it out to God. I was giving, I should have been giving uh, over to God so that he could use it, as we discussed, to further his kingdom. 
Now, my thoughts at that time were more on my physical needs and not necessarily on my spiritual needs. Uh, being married and having children is, is very joyful and a humbling experience. And in my own moments of pride, you know, I've gotten upset and in my mind said to myself, look, don't they realize that what they have is by my hand? You know, don't they realize that the work that I'm doing is why they have what they have? You know, why don't they show me that they understand that by providing me with some respect, you know, not talking back, being obedient? And to me, when I think on that, all that is is prideful arrogance. And over time, I believe that God planted the thought in my mind and he said, yeah, you do work hard to physically provide for them, but don't you realize that everything you have I've provided for you spiritually, that you freely accepted the work of my son, so aren't you being ungrateful to me? And that was very humbling to say the least. And I understood at that point that I could never outgive God. He gave Jesus, you know, he gave me everlasting life. So what more was I expecting him to give to me before I let go of my pride? To show obedience, he allows us the opportunity to joyfully give in order to reach others, to support our church mission of winning others to salvation. He allows me to support the pastor, and I'm thankful to do that. As we discussed, Pastor Don and Lori have been faithfully serving for 20 years. Now, 2 Corinthians 8.5 tells us that in order to give, we must first give ourselves over to God. And after that, Giving of what is already God's comes naturally. I realize that I'm simply a tool that can exercise faith uh, and be used to provide for both my family and for God's church, and I'm very fortunate to have the ability to do so. Um, now I appreciate the system that Pastor Don's instituted at Calvary Chapel here. Um, he has the offering boxes in the back. Uh, and he's often stated that if you can't give cheerfully, then don't give. Or if you give and you're not, not good with it, talk to him. He'll give you back your money. But if you aren't giving consistently and cheerfully, I'd ask you to check the condition of your heart and ask if it's pride that's keeping you from giving. Or as we discussed fear, could it be fear that's keeping you from giving? God provided me another heart check related to tithing, but this time it wasn't pride, it was fear. Um, you know, we're a small body of believers. I think most of you know that uh, 2015, I was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. And to say that I was gripped by fear would be an understatement. I mean, fear consumed me and ate at me. And the biggest fear that I had was, you know, what if I was unable to provide for my family's physical needs? And I wasn't angry with God for the diagnosis, and in many respects, it drew me much closer to him. But I thought, God, I can help you out by saving as much as possible, which meant pulling back all the tithing that I was given to the church, all the checks I was writing to missionaries, all the checks I was, I was writing to Christian-based organizations. I thought, well, if I pull all that back, you know, that's safer, that's better, you know, maybe that's what we should do. And it took me quite a few months to work through it, but uh, we as a family remained faithful. And all I can say is that I thank God that he instituted marriage the way that he did and that he gave me a godly wife to help me work through that. Now, God sees us and I believe loves us more 
when we're obedient in those tough times, giving through those tougher times in our lives. Now, I'd like to read uh, one more short passage uh, to encourage you that if if you fear uh, contributing uh, or that your contribution may be adequate or misused, that God can take what you what you give and he can multiply it. So if we can turn to Matthew 15, uh, we're going to read Matthew 15, verses 32 through 38. All right, Matthew 15, 32 through 38. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and he said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days And have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks, broke them. And gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So in this, in this example, this passage, you may not think that what you have is much to give, but God can use that. He can multiply it. And let me give you an example. So one of the organizations uh, we at Calvary Chapel support is Choose Life Alabama. I think Don mentioned this last week. And if you give to the church, some of what you give is paid forward to that organization. Now, a distraught pregnant mother chooses to give her uh, life over to God and not abort her child or to give her child up for adoption. Now, that new believing mother chooses to follow Jesus Christ and then tells others about tells others about Christ, or that new believer chooses to raise a godly child, that little bit that you gave was paid forward and used for God's glory, for God's kingdom. Or if you decide to sponsor a child in a destitute country and they learn of the compassion of a stranger from a faraway land, sponsoring them and putting them in school to teach them the love of Jesus Christ, and they bring their family to the Lord, and they decide to serve the Lord all their days. Now, those are just two examples, you know, uh, but I think it shows how God can use what it is that you give to further his kingdom. Now, none of that meets any of your physical needs, but it certainly shows God your heart. And I think we all know that that's how God judges us. It shows God your faith, your obedience, um, so I would ask that every Christian diligently pray and seek God's wisdom in the matter of participating in tithing and how much to give. Above all, all tithes and offerings should be given with pure motives, with an attitude of worship uh, to God and to the service of Christ. Second Corinthians 9.7 states, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, looking back to the beginning of our uh, study this morning on sports, we as a church body, a church team, need to make sure that we are sticking to the basics. Being a faithful, cheerful giver is an exercise of faith that pleases God, and it's used to further his kingdom. It shows God your heart. 
And I'm very well aware that there are circumstances in life or times where uh, you may have pride or fear. And I would simply tell you that Satan loves when we disobey God. If you ever have any questions or concerns related to how your church, how the church uh, receives, uh, what the church does when it receives your offerings, offerings, I would ask you to uh, talk to Pastor Don, because uh, I know he's always willing to sit uh, and show you what it is that we support and what it is that we bring in. Um, ask God this week to examine your heart and show how you can help further his kingdom. And in doing so, remember not my words, but Jesus's. When he said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Uh, for this, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And again, that was Luke six thirty-eight. Let me get you to stand and we'll close with prayer. Father God, uh, we do count it a privilege, Lord, uh, just that you gave your son, Lord, and that we can live in a period of grace. And Father, we do pray, Lord, that uh, we would be in your will, Lord, and we do pray that, Lord, when we ask, Lord, that you would, you would help us by providing an answer, Lord. Uh, Father, we're thankful for our church body. And I just pray, Father, that our church body uh, would do what it is that you commanded us to do, Lord, until your return. Uh, Father, this week, Lord, I pray that you'd be with our body. Uh, Father, I do pray again that you would bring Pastor Don and Lori back safely. Uh, and Lord, uh, just give thanks for who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless